Yo, what's up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined as always by my co hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight's episode 27 title Cajun Seasoning with a Kick. We got special guests, celebrity, you name it, YouTube sensation, chef. You know, the guy is all around badass and everything. Jason Derwin, better known as the Cajun Ninja. Jason, my man, how we doing tonight? Great, man. Fantastic. Man, I... So I was listening to a podcast that you were on recently, and there was a story about your your name in full. And I was afraid to use your last name, and I didn't know whether just to call you Jason. I didn't want to offend you, or do, do I call you Chef? Do I call you Mr. Ninja? Like, what what do I call you? <laughs> uh, well, you know, when you do cooking videos, man, there's probably a few things people like to call you. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm reluctant to just call myself a social media cook. You know, I didn't go to culinary school. I'm just putting out there what works for me and uh, and it's on social media. So that's what I call myself. So I, I heard that there's a, a catchphrase that you use, a moniker that you go by, man. I was going to I was going to do the crack a and you know, but I didn't think I could do it justice. So I want to get you to lead us off with that so we can get this thing going right. <laughs> well, I'm the Cajun Ninja. Let's get crack a all right, man. So talk to us. Where are you from? Take us back. What's what's the journey like becoming the Cajun Ninja? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I was born in Thibodeau, raised in Homa, and, um, you know, spent mo- much of my life in Homa, grew up in Homa, worked out of Homa, and uh, around the age of 27, my wife and I decided to move to Lafayette. So uh, we lived there for about four years. Um, we had two little girls there in Lafayette, and um, when you have kids and you're away from home, it gets tough. You know, it's tough to raise a family with without help, you know, like it's, it's nice to have grandmas and grandpas close by. So we ended up moving back to Thibodeau and, uh, you know, I worked in the oil field industry while I was living in Lafayette, Homa, what have you, probably about, uh, you know, eight years total. And throughout that time, I faced layoffs, just how many people do in the oil industry. And uh, it was the second layoff that I was like sitting in my house here in Thibodeau. We just moved back here. And I, I just had a, a wild hair that I was going to start a social media page. I didn't have no idea what I was going to do with it. I just knew I loved entertaining people. So I created the page. And uh, at the time, I was calling it What You Doing, Deruin, which uh, was a play on my last name, even though I said it wrong. Uh, my name's actually pronounced Derwin. But growing up in Homa, nobody ever got that right. So I would call myself Deruin by about the age of 14 because that's what coaches and friends were calling me. So I, I created the page and um, about five, six months in, I, I was cooking gumbo and, and recorded it on Snapchat. Ended up taking that whole clip, put it to the What You Do in the Ruin page in front of like 400 people at the time. And um, it went viral for whatever reason. I usually tell people the reason why it went viral was not because it was so good that people wanted to make it, but it was one of those dishes that people loved and hated. You know, and that's kind of the recipe for going viral. When you got people talking in the comments, then you get more eyes on it. Um, but I knew uh, from there I would keep cooking. And uh, eventually I grew a very loyal, uh, awesome following. And, and here I am today. So so were you always the, the cook of the house? Like, or this was just some spur of the moment? Like, 
idea that you had like i'm gonna do this social media page uh let's just let me cook some stuff yeah no actually when i like i said when i started that page i just knew i loved doing things that were entertaining um and and to me cooking is a form of entertainment like when you invite the friends and family over man you're entertaining your guests and uh, i think for anybody who has gotten behind the stove and, and created something there's nothing you love more than to watch other people eat the dish you created uh, and, and go, man, that's good. You know, like it just feels good to see that you've satisfied them. Uh, and, you know, at the same time, a, a lot of times over the stove, barbecue pits, what have you, there's a lot of great conversation and laughter. And that's what I kind of brought to the videos. Um, but yeah, I, I was probably mo- more of the cook in the house. My, my wife is not one who really enjoys doing it, but she can and does. Um, but it does to me, really good cooking takes a lot of patience and she's just one that likes to get stuff done right then and there, you know? So yeah, I would say that that was mostly me. Absolutely. So you say you were, you're the cook of the house and you, you do the majority of the cooking, you know, was this something that you learned from a parent, from a grandparent? Like what was, I, I only imagine that, that growing up in Louisiana, like it's a hotbed for flavor and just just amazing food um i can just imagine what kitchens look like you know back you know as you were growing up yeah i mean my mom's a good cook you know um i give her that credibility all the time um and and i would say it's an accumulation of both my parents my dad loved the the cooking channel food network he was heavily watching Emeril Lagasse every night. And uh, my mom was one who really had a knack behind the stove. And uh, so to, to eat good food that was made fresh uh, really stood out to me. And, um, you know, it was something I knew I wanted to eventually do. But I, I, I do say this about my mom. She wasn't one to really be like, all right, well, let's sit down and learn this step by step. She was one that like, if you came to her and said, you know, I really want to know how to do corn soup she would be like, well, let me just make it for you. She just was so one to cater, you know, cater and, and bring. And every year she made the gumbo at the Christmas party at my grandma's. Like she just loves to cater, you know? So it was hard to get anything out of her. And eventually it was just trial and error. I started researching recipe books online and I would, I would try things, but I ne- never necessarily found like that, 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 mm, that I was looking for that I ate as a kid and what have you. So the more I started mixing things up, was when I was really starting to, to acquire my own palate of how I like things to my preference, um, you know, and, and over time, I just I kind of came up with my own little unique way of doing things, which I'd say are probably very similar to a lot of people. But, um, you know, I, I can't say that it was just it was anything given to me. It was a lot of trial and error. I mean, I literally burnt my first roux with the spatula itself, like I melted a plastic spatula in the roux. You know, like that's that's how bad it was. Uh, so it was a long time to get here, but I'm definitely happy where I am now. So what what's your favorite thing that mom would cook? Uh, you know, it's funny because people often ask me, what's my favorite thing to cook? And the thing I love to cook most is crawfish etouffee. But the, my favorite thing my mom made was smothered pork chops. Like I just I just and, and it was, she would always call them smothered pork chops and onion gravy. But that's what it was. It was it was, you know, pork chops that were seared and browned on a pan. And and then you drop the onions in to, to get that that bottom, you know, then they call it the, the grimy, you know, they, they you you, you kind of toss the onions in there to get all of that up and brown those onions real good. Maybe add some chicken stock or what have you and, and uh, cook down the pork chops in it for a good hour and a half, two hours. And they were just so tender and that gravy on the rice. And I always love that little bit of fat on the pork chop. It just was so good. And, and that's something that always really stood out to me as a kid. 
Man, we're, we're going to have to stop, take a break, so I can go get some food. <laughs> like, that, that's unbelievable. You know, with all this cooking, I'm sure you had to be, you know, active as a kid to, like, burn all this the, these calories off, man. Were, were you an athlete growing up? Well, actually, believe it or not, man, I was a chubby little thing, bro. You know, uh, you know, growing up, I, I, I hit my growth spurt very late in life. Um, and my parents uh, had very offsetting schedules when it came to work. My mom worked a lot of nights as a nurse and my dad, he worked in the grocery industry, uh, throughout much of the day. So there was never a lot of time to, to bring me or even my sister to, um, you know, uh, extracurricular activities. So I didn't really play much sports or anything until I got to high school, which was finally the time where I started to thin out. But yeah, I was, I was a chubby little thing growing up. So you, so you go from, from this chubby little thing to a guy who has 30 million views on, on a video, like, how, how does that happen? I mean, dude, your guess is as good as mine, man. I mean, you know, what makes anybody tick, right? It's, it's, it's like asking somebody who, uh, who, who, who tries a raw oyster and says, what makes you love it? You know, like, it's just, it, it just happens. Um, you know, I can't say that I was doing anything special. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't consider myself anything special compared to anybody else who cooks out there. Um, I, all I can say is that I kept grinding at it, you know? Um, that one video that went that crazy viral, that is my most viral video to date. But a lot of people say, man, you, you're so lucky, you know, um, but I can assure you there was a lot of hard work from, from then to now, you know, for the last four years, every single day, I answer comments, I answer messages. I, I you know, I, I respond to people on a daily basis. And, and I think that is kind of the, the, the ticket to grow in your stage and your platform is just building these one-on-one -on -one personal relationships. Well, I gotta, I gotta say this. And my, my mother probably has 15 million of those 30 million views because she loves you. She, she, <laughs> I, I ain't seen her cook a thing that you put out there, but she'll, she'll watch it and repost it, man, like she does. So <laughs> I guess I move out and she becomes a world, a world-class chef. I don't know. No, what's your, what's your mom's name? Her name's Vicky. Well, shout out to Vicky. Vicky, if you, if you watch this, thank you so much. I, I'm very, very appreciative and humbled that you tune in. Uh, and, and even more so just for the simple fact that you said you, you don't, you don't know if you've seen her cook anything, because that means what I do is actually entertaining. Cause that's the hardest part, you know? Yeah, man. She, she appreciate that. She, her, my, my mom and my dad both lived in Lafayette for, for a while. My uh, aunts and cousins lived there. So I don't know if you know any Yorks out there, but my cousin Donnie York lived there for a long time. Now he's in Houston, but yeah, man, all of them could cook. I, I, I just don't know. I didn't see it from my mom. She can cook now, but no, nothing like the stuff you put out there. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm sure it's delightful in her own way, you know, for sure. Oh, you're being too kind, but look, we're going to, we're going to dive into the, the second part of your name, the ninja part for those that don't know, obviously people that follow your Facebook, they see, you know, that you've 30 years in Taekwondo, you know, hell of a feat. Obviously you just, you just took a test recently. We'll talk about that and just kind of how it got you, how it's helped you, you know, remain disciplined and all the things that I know it does for a lot of people. Just talk about that for a minute. Yeah, man, look, I, I attribute anything in my life, <clears throat> you know, well, ultimately, one, I kick it up, you know, by the grace of God, just to, to, to have the stage I have. But, um, you know, uh, martial arts is huge on anything I do in life, because it, it just, 
it has taught me to, to be patient, humble, you know, have confidence in what you do, um, you know, be respectful, um, you know, it's, it, and, and it's given me the ability just to, to hit things that may scare me head on, you know, and, um, you know, yeah, I, I attribute a lot of things I have today to martial arts. And it started when I was a really young kid. And uh, even though like much of those years, I'm, I, I didn't do enough of it to, to get in great shape, um, it, it did a lot to build me mentally. Yeah. So, so talk about that. I want to touch on that. What did you just test for and how did that process go getting there? Okay. Yeah. So uh, just recently I tested for, for what was considered my master's certification. Um, you know um, it's, it's, it's been a long journey, you know, um, you know, like I said, I started when I was eight years old and um, when you get to your, your first degree black belt, usually, usually wait so many years per the next rank you're going for. So, you know, after one, you wait two, after two, you wait three, after three, you wait four and four is when you considered master. Um, and you know, it, this test was mo more so about like, just, you know, showing, you know, the, the, the skill level we're at now. Um, we, we had to do some different things that we don't normally do at a test. Like you, we have like what was considered self-defense techniques, but like the guy who tested us actually said, look, he pulled two ladies from the, the crowd. And he was like, or I say the crowd, there wasn't a lot of crowd. There's just our friends and family. And they said, all right, you guys, me and my buddy, actually, Jonathan Tran, he was testing for master too. He said, uh, you guys got 10 minutes to teach them some self-defense techniques, which I thought was really cool, you know, because you, you, you've gone all these black belt tests, um, you know, showing what you can do. And now as a master, it's time to pass on your knowledge, you know? Um, so yeah, there was that, um, you know, there's breaking boards and, and then breaking concrete at the end, which, uh, you know, like it, it kind of, it kind of was like one of those bittersweet things for me. Cause I, I went, I went for eight pieces of concrete and uh, I mean, you know, sometimes people think it's fake, but I literally buy my concrete from Lowe's, you know? Um, and uh, I went through six of them and I had two left and, uh, you know, I, I was like, man, you know, I, I feel like I could have did it because my buddy who did it before me, he did five and he's he's a little Asian guy. So he took the uh, the cylinders and he put them on their sides. And I was like, well, just leave it like that. I'm gonna put a couple more. It'll be a little higher. But I'm six one. He's five two, you know. Um, and so if I would have put the cylinders up, I might have been, you know, at a good point where I could really follow through. But at the same time, I said, you know what, if I would have broke all eight people would have been like, oh, that's fake. That's not real, you know. But because they saw me smash into it and only six of them broke, it, it's like, well, shit, that looked, that looked might, might have been pretty solid, you know? So I take the positive away from it. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience and I'm happy to have gotten through it. No, excellent, excellent. So diving into a little bit more, uh, again, following your Facebook page, obviously uh, one of the biggest names in the UFC right now also happens to come from Louisiana. So uh, talk about the big fan. I'm sure you are. I've seen you talk about it a little bit. But we'll talk about him, his journey there. And also, we got to talk about the fact that I don't know if it's just a Louisiana thing. Now he's getting into the food game. Is there going to be – he going to be on the show? What we got going on here? On oh, y'all's show or my show? <laughs> no, hit yours because he's got a hot sauce coming out. I mean, what are we doing here? <clears throat> yeah, look, man, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm remotely on Dustin Poirier's radar. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm just thankful to be a fan, you know. Um, I, I'm actually I'm pretty pumped that his hot sauce brand – follows me on Instagram. So like to have that little bit of what he does follow me back is really cool. Um, but yeah, no, that, that guy is just on another level level for Louisiana. He's done so many great things for the state. Um, yeah. I, I remember his first fight in the UFC, which was like, it might've been 2010 or nine. Um, and he came in and fought the number one contender who, who the guy's name was Josh Grisby. And the guy was like set up to go fight Jose Aldo next. And uh, Dustin just put him through the ringer for all three rounds and won by unanimous decision. 
And, uh, you know, then he went on a tangent. He had a moment where he was fighting for number one contender and lost to Korean Zombie, then had to fight a bunch more fights, then lost to Conor McGregor, then fought a bunch more fights, then lost to Michael Johnson. And, and ultimately, to finally get all the way back to the title, fight could be, uh, you know, unfortunately lose that, but then knock out Conor McGregor. I love the guy's story, right? He's not somebody who was this huge talker. He just kept grinding and grinding and grinding. And people may look at him now and say, man, that guy's so lucky. But there are a small percentage of people in the world that would ever attempt to do what he did. No, for people to say that Dustin's lucky, just don't follow the sport. Because you're right. His journey is, is, is remarkable. And then his setbacks. You know, there's no shame in saying that you lost to Conor McGregor. Certainly no shame in saying you lost to Khabib, who pound for pound might be the greatest ever to ever do it. So uh, I'm a huge fan of Poirier. I, I hope, I don't think we're going to get to see him fight Khabib. I really don't want to see him fight Conor again, but it sounds like that might be where we're going. So what do you think is next for Dustin Poirier? Yeah, look, you know, if, if I was uh, putting matches together for the, the sanctity of the sport and, and martial arts uh, that I love, it would be him versus Charles Oliveira, you know? Yeah. Um, Charles is on a, you know, this crazy tear right now, winning streak, and, uh, you know, Dustin just beat Connor, and, you know, um, uh, you know, Tony Ferguson lost. Michael Chandler just came into the division. I just feel like that's the fight to make. But as a business guy, if oh, I, I know where you're going. Yeah, if I'm running the UFC, I'm I'm making the uh, Connor fight again. You know, if, making- if I if I don't make the Connor fight, the only other fight to me that makes sense, just business, is Nate Diaz. And yeah. I don't even I think Dustin whoops him, but it, money, I think you go I, Nate I agree. Diaz. Yeah, like it's a business, right? You got you got to think. But there's a lot of people that go, oh, they need to make this fight. And it's like, look, at the end of the day, this, these these people are in it to make money, and and you can put on the same sporting event with Dustin versus Charles. Or you could switch a guy out and make a lot more money. And, and to me, right now is probably the best time to make that trilogy happen with Connor. Because right. if you make Connor fight anybody else and he loses, your cash cow is gone. Like, I mean, that's it. It's over. No, you're right. I, I think you, you mentioned it. Chandler, I think from a, if you're just talking contenders, Chandler probably makes a lot of sense. But for my money, you know, I understand that Connor McGregor, I just think that Poirier beat him so soundly. I think that you saw that. Conor McGregor, either he – I'm not going to speak to his dedication. All I can say is what I watch, Poirier is on a whole nother level right now than McGregor. So, obviously, the fight that I want to see happen is Khabib. I just don't think it's going to happen. And, you know, of course, Khabib can say I have nothing left to prove. And that's true. The guy's done it all. He's beat everybody, even Poirier, unfortunately. But that's the one I got to see, man. That's the one I got. I just – but I wanted to mention that. I also wanted to mention the hot sauce because when you're putting out a name like Dustin Poirier on a hot sauce, guys from Louisiana, but here you are, you're, you're being humble. You got 30 million freaking views on a video talking about, I don't think I'm on his radar. I think you are. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, look, I, it's it's hard for me to, to compare to a guy who's done it on such a big stage, right? You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have the platform I have and the amount of people who follow me, um, but you know, I, I've yet to travel across the world and, and put my craft to, to test against other people, you know. Um, so with, with that retrospect, I, I definitely give him the nod by far, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm grac- graciously feel that's that's 
okay to say that, you know, um, you know, I feel like I'd have a long way to go to put myself on that stage and I, you know, and maybe I don't even know if I'd ever even say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on his level. I don't, I, it's just not in my nature, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, it, w- what I have done is awesome. I'm, I'm pumped for it. Um, and yeah, it, it's cool right now to, to have dropped a product during the same time he's dropping a product. Right. So uh, yeah. And, and thankfully it's not the same realm because I don't know <laughs> if I'd want to be competing hot sauces right now. Maybe not. Not when you're not with the 155 champ, maybe. Yeah, no doubt. And look, I'll tell you, that guy, like, we talk about Khabib, but I feel like Dustin's resume is better than Khabib's. You know, I mean, he beat Pettis. He beat Alvarez. He beat Max Holloway. He beat Justin Gaethje. Then Conor McGregor, you know I mean? He beat the who's who, Dan Hooker. You know, he beat all these who's who guys. I mean, Khabib has a great record, but I don't know if he's beat that many former champions. I'm really glad you went there because – Everybody, and you'll you'll find it hard pressed for anybody to say that Khabib is the greatest. And I said the same thing when we're talking. I'm like, I understand that Khabib is definitely looked at by Dana White as the greatest ever. Do it. They treat him as such, right? But there's a lot of fights left to be desired with that guy, man. He's got a lot. I mean, it was he definitely hit. It was all timing to me. He beat the right guys at the right time. I I agree, and that's not taking nothing away from the guy. Yeah, and you know he had those. I mean. Who knows what would happen if he'd have fought Tony whenever Tony was really on his prime and they had all those injuries and the fight kept getting called off. We don't know how that fight would have turned out, man. It could have changed the entire, you know, you know, la- landscape of his life there. But, you know, the guy is hey. a big advocate of praying to the one above. And, you know, he's had some angels looking after him for sure. True, but maybe, maybe, and I'm not, I'm kind of speaking to his heart here, but maybe that's part of the reason why he don't want to come back. He's like, I can't risk my record here. I got it all right now. Yeah, look, you know, I was actually talking to a buddy of mine the other day because he was saying how, you know, man, if Anderson Silva would have bowed out at a certain time, he, you know, his whole legacy wouldn't have got tarnished like it did in these last several fights. But I, like I told him, I, I kind of appreciate that because to me, it feels so much better when you pass on the torch, like the whole GSP thing. We'll never know. We'll never know if Usman's really better than him. You know, I, I like when the guys ride it out till they lose, you know, ride it out, lose. Okay, it's over. You know, so Randy, when you said that reminds you of something, I thought you were going to bring up Jason. I got to tell you, when we were doing predictions on that Poirier Connor fight, Daniel asked me who I thought was going to win. And I was reading something and these guys didn't even tell me in real time what I said. They waited till after the episode was over. So they said, who you got? And I said, Holloway. And anyway, I was reading something on Max Holloway and I didn't even give the fighter that was in the fight. And so, hey, needless to say, I was going to go Connor. So at least I didn't get it wrong. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would I would I would agree that worked out in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. Can't be wrong. But no, I mean, I've been excited for this. You know, Daniel sitting there talking to you about his mom and the, and the cooking episodes. My dad's from Alexandria, Louisiana. And man, I grew up, I was not a chubby kid. And it was probably because the food he made, I was sweating so hard my whole life. I still had, you know, I I still love Cajun food, but man, I still just ain't got it, man. I ain't got the chops to really take on the spicy stuff, but that's all he ever made, man. And it's, it's been hard my whole life. And so, man, I appreciate the, the recipes you put out and I've, I've grown up on them. And so I've really, I've really been excited about this, but I'm really excited to talk to you about Louisiana football. And, you know, it's going to start with LSU, but, you know, we got a curveball yesterday with the Saints. So we got to start with the man, the myth, the legend, Drew Brees, man. Tell me just what Drew Brees means to you. 
Oh man, dude. Uh, you know, there, there are people in, in other States right now who have not even seen their, their favorite team go to a Super Bowl. you know, and, 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 and I'm sure you guys are a lot like me, you know, you, you've, you followed the sport long before Drew Brees and you remember those days, you know, like, I mean, I'm not sure how old you guys are, but you know, I'm 37. And when I was a kid uh, in school, a lot of people wore starter jackets and uh, nobody had a saints one. They had Cowboys, they had a San Francisco 49ers. Nobody even wore saints. As, as a matter of fact, I remember days, if you had Saints stuff on, you got made fun of, you know? So um, to, to have somebody, you know, come in and, and dedicate, you know, their craft and, and to a, to a team that didn't have it going for them and just stick it out year after year and ultimately take them to the big dance and win it all. You know, I, I'm just so grateful. You know, I am so grateful for what that guy did for the team, what he did for the city. You know, he, he he's, he's continuously donating his time and efforts to, to making the world a better place. So yeah, I, I'm I'm super grateful, and I, I was dreading this day. You know, I was one that like there were times, there was a couple seasons in the mix that he'd have a bad year, and there were people going, "Oh, he don't have it no more," and I'd be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" You know, like like you know, people can have off days and or an off year, what have you, you know. And sure enough, he came back those years, man. He took them to the NFC Championship game again, and, and really those last few years, it wasn't his fault, dude. You got the the, the missed tackle in the end zone against the, the Vikings. You got the no-call pass interference. You got the push-off in the end zone again against the Vikings. Like, he just was right there so many times. Like, really, like, few few plays the other way, dude. He probably could have a couple more rings. I, I'm just grateful for the guy, and I'm sad to see him go, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of his career in broadcasting or whatever he does. Yeah, absolutely. You're flirting just... with a slippery, slippery slope, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, why is that? We... We have to talk Jim off the ledge. He's still bitter about about all the things that you just said. <laughs> I mean, hey, it, we'll never live down the past interference. Not, no, not you call. won't. No, you won't. And, hey, I wasn't even going to bring this up, but because of that call on my birthday, Jason, Daniel had Gene Steratore do one of those videos that they sent to you and basically give it to me about giving the refs so much crap when he knows dang well that was the worst non-call ever. But, you know, I could, harp, I could harp on that for days. What I thought was funny was we are the exact same age as you, and you brought up the starter jackets, which we all had. And I believe my man right there, Daniel, had probably had the Cowboys one. Did you, Daniel? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> know it. Loser. But, but you oh. talked about the, the willingness to, to love them your whole life. And I can honestly admit, you know, Randy was with me in middle school. I was wearing a Dolphins one because I was a Dan Marino fan. My dad could not get me to really be a Saints fan until about 2004. I jumped on with Aaron Brooks and Joe Horn. And so, you know, I got lucky that I only had to experience a couple years before Drew came in. But, you know, you just really spoke to it. I mean, and as somebody who doesn't live in Louisiana but have seen everything he has just done, um, especially for that city of New Orleans, you can only just appreciate it. He's a He's a legend. And so, you know, going forward, you know, there's been a lot of news the last two days. We got Taysom Hill. Obviously, you know, Randy, Randy has explained to me that the money isn't exactly what it's supposed to be. But nonetheless, Taysom's locked in. Jameis just got locked in. What do you think? Who's going to be the quarterback? Who do you want to be the quarterback? All that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know yet who I want to be the quarterback. I, I tell you, it, it's, it looks and feels like Taysom Hill has been the more consistent one. Um, but that might just because, be because I've seen him do spectacular things in many positions. 
you know, not just quarterback, you know, because he had a few, you know, rough patches there as quarterback too. I don't know if Jamison's the guy. Um, I think it probably would be great for him in his career, you know, given what happened to him over at Tampa Bay to come over to the Saints and, and uh, you know, make something of himself on a second go round and maybe even getting deep into the playoffs. I mean, the guy won a national championship. So, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely skillful at, at what he does, but uh, you know, it's going to be hard, man. We, we've had, we've had the taste of pretty much a goat, right? Like, you know, like I said, I mean, he's, he's a few, few plays off from having one more Super Bowls and that's a rare thing. You know, I mean, when Michael Jordan left the Bulls, the Bulls have never been anything again since, right. you know? Um, and, you know, I know Drew Brees didn't win nearly as many championships as, the, as that, but he's been deep in the playoffs, man. You know, so uh, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that yet. Um, we'll see. I'd like to see this year. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to let at least Taysom and, and, and Jameis, uh, you know, figure it out this year. If it don't look like nothing's happened, I'd love to maybe grab somebody in the next uh, draft and maybe build from there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually a big-time Taysom Hill guy. These guys try to tell me I'm crazy all the time because I think he does have a bright future. It could be, like you said, we see him do everything, right? It's hard not to love the guy, but I feel like he's done well enough and he's done everything that's been asked to him that he has earned the opportunity to do it. But these guys both tell me, and Daniel lives in Tampa, so he watched Jameis all the years in, in Tampa, and even with his mistakes, he said – He's a guy who can win games for you. He thinks he needs to be the guy. But like you said, we'll we'll figure that all out. But I'm excited. You know, we kept so many players. Everybody thinks, you know, Drew Brees left. And, you know, we had a few other players that we've let go. But, man, you know, when you talk about Cam Jordan, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, you know, this uh, Lattimore, I can keep going. There's still so many studs on the team. I mean, don't you feel like we're still no matter – even without Drew Brees, I feel like we're still a playoff team no matter what. Am I crazy? I mean, it's like this, man. Uh, you know, if you've got a really good guitarist, a freaking phenomenal bass player, and a, and a jam-up drummer, and the singer sucks, <laughs> the band sucks. You know, I mean, and the, the guy who touches the ball first every play is the quarterback. So um, until we see a very consistent guy taking the snaps, we don't know how good the team is, you know. I mean, I, I can think of many years when LSU didn't have a very good quarterback, and, and there were wide receivers who went on to do amazing things in the NFL. So, um, man, I was only going to bring up LSU's glory. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to hit on the bad years at quarterback. But no, let's let's go there. You know, let's talk about. You know, mm -hmm. I've been following you on social media for for a few years now, and so to see, you know, how excited you were, just as I was during the 2019 campaign for LSU. Let's talk about how exciting that was. I mean, how much fun was that ride? Oh man, that was a dream come true. You know, um, you know, especially like, I mean, for us in Louisiana, our national championship game every year is Alabama, you know? Um, so, you know, to come off of eight years of just, just, uh, you know, just a disgust, you know, to finally have that year happen. And I think the reason why it was so, so special is because the last time LSU beat Alabama, that, that team they had that year could have gone on to be what they thought at the time was the greatest team ever. Right. You know, it was, that was the honey badger and all that. And, and I think they had beaten the pac 12 champion that year, the big 12 champion. No, they didn't play the big 12. Champion. They beat the ACC champion that year. They won the sec championship and they would have probably played the big 12 champion. If Oklahoma state hadn't lost to Iowa state in overtime, an unranked Iowa state messed up the whole thing. And Alabama got that rematch and it just, 
crushed everything we had going for us as far as what that season was. So to, to, to fast forward eight years later after a whooping from Alabama for eight years in a row and have that season, I tell you, I'd take another eight years of whooping just to do that again. You know, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly where I was going. I got so much heat this year because LSU fell off and people acted like they were going to hurt my feelings. I said, man, it was worth it. Like, you know, I'll take five and five every time. So since you brought up Bama, the ongoing debate I've had because I'm surrounded by way too many Bama bandwagon fans, they actually think that this year's Bama team was better than that uh, LSU team. What do you think? Yeah, you know, they're going off of a, a, a 10-win SEC record, which sucks because the SEC wasn't that good this year. So, yeah, sure, you did win 10 games SEC. The problem is, is you didn't go beat the other best people in all the other conferences. So as bad as you want to say it, you can't. You didn't play as many games. Um, and, and you played an Ohio State team that only had like seven wins. You know, so, I, I, hey, you were a great team. You did. You whipped everybody you played. But were you better than the best of all time? No. Sorry, yeah. Bama fans. I know I got a lot of y'all that watch me. I love you guys. I really do. All of you that tune in, cook my video, uh, cooking stuff. But if you look at it on paper, you know. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna disappoint anybody on on this podcast right now <laughs> yeah we I got some I'm sorry go ahead no we we got a lot Bama is like one of the and I think it's because I do all the scheduling and I don't like anything about Bama so I don't schedule it because we hit everybody in the west but Bama so you're good yeah look, and I got some guys some really great followers who who they shout roll roll I can't even say it, you know, they, they shout it, you know, and, uh, and, and they, they love their team. And, you know, I tell you, that's another thing too, that I've grown to really love about my page is that I, I you know, I really appreciate how much people love their team. Cause look, we weren't, we, I mean, we could say we were born fans, right. But we grew up in this, we learned it from our, our families and those, the culture here, um, you know, and that's the same thing everywhere else. So I, I you know, when I was younger, probably in my twenties, I was hating on the other teams, but now I just, I really appreciate the love people have for their team. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we got a pretty decent rivalry here and, and I'm blessed to be a part of that, you know, cause there's some States that don't even have a big football program, you know, so it's, it's been really cool. And, uh, and look, hats off to Alabama. They just won the SEC tournament, beat LSU with, you know, one, like literally one second left in the basketball game. So, you know, they're on a tear in basketball. They're just kicking butt all around. I, you know, I'm, I envy how, how great they have it right now. Oh, man, it hurts to, to hear all that. <laughs> hey, but I did want to say one more thing about LSU before we moved on, and I wanted to tell you about my first tailgate experience. It was in 2009, and it was uh, when Florida, number one Florida, was visiting number four LSU. And, um, you know, regardless of the outcome of that game, that was when Tebow came. I had some gator gumbo out of a giant, like, cast iron cauldron. And I tell you, Jason, I still to this day have never had better gumbo. And it was from like a tailgate that I just kind of got invited to. I don't know who made it. Don't even know who those people were. I just know they can invite me back anytime. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you the secret. What did you drink that day? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what, what did, what I did I drink he not drink? Do that again and you'll eat the best gumbo you ever had in your life. <laughs> I hear you. So let's transition to, obviously, you know, you're a Raging Cajuns fan, too, and they just came off, you know, a 10-1 and season just, man. Uh, for them, awesome. The only team they lost to was an amazing Coastal Carolina team. Uh, how fun was that ride? Man, I tell you, it, you know, it was, it was fun, but it was still kind of heartbreaking, right, because 
that game against Coastal Carolina was so close. It kind of went, could have went anybody's way. And, um, you know, had, had that been shifted their way, we might've saw the Cajuns possibly get into the playoff because they had beaten Iowa state early in the year, like in the first game and Iowa state had gotten all the way up to rank number six. So like, if they were ranked that high and the Cajuns went undefeated, where would they have been? I mean, like they would have been at least five, right? You couldn't have put Iowa State ahead of them, you know? So they would have been, they would have been right there. And, but, you know, it didn't happen that way. And, and then like, unfortunately too, like the conference championship game was the rematch of Coastal and, and UL. And that got canceled because of COVID. So didn't get to see that, but they did go on to win their bowl game. And, um, you know, Billy Napier, man, that, that guy doesn't know single digits. He's only had 10, you know, you know, double digit seasons. And I'm, I'm pumped that he's going to be there again. He's a, he's going to get picked eventually. Somebody's going to grab him, but I hope that this coming year is like a really big year for them. So uh, that was going to be where I went. So you, you predict big things again, you don't think they're going to fall off. It's, it's hard not to, man. I know there's a lot of players coming back and um, you know, uh, it's crazy. Cause like I, I can, I can rattle off players sometimes with LSU, but I can't really rat off players with uh, UL, but I remember games, you know, like I remember how they were, what, what, what played out. I went to three of the new Orleans bowl games that they played in the dome, you know? Um, so, you know, when I look at his, his body of work that he's done so far, it's hard for me not to think that he's going to have another great year. Um, you know, the players are going to know him so much more the, the ones that have been growing up from freshman year to now are going to have that trust. They're going to let the other players know, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, man, I, I would love to see it. Like I tell people all the time, I, ca- I catch a lot of flack for being such a raging Cajun fan and LSU fan. Cause there's some people that are just like, no, you either or, but I tell people all the time, look, this is my recipe. All right. <laughs> you know, if I want to mix this in my pot, that's how I'm going to get down. As far as who I root for when they play each other, that's my secret ingredient, you know? But, um, yeah, my big reason, though, is because I want to see an in-state rival game here in Louisiana. I'm so sick of seeing the Egg Bowl, Mississippi, Mississippi State, the Iron Bowl, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Texas, Texas uh, A&M, TCU. They got a bunch of them over there. Here in Louisiana, we, I mean, I think LSU actually had the most players in the Super Bowl this past year. We got so many great athletes with all these high schools we have. How do we not have two big power five programs? I mean, imagine what the tailgate would be at that, that, that in-state rival game. I mean, you'd smell that in Shreveport, you know, like it would be outstanding. And, uh, you know, so that's why I pushed the Cajuns. I feel like they have the best chance right now with a city in Lafayette of 150,000 population. If you ever been to the stadium, it's awesome. It's actually a bowl. It actually dips down into the ground. And right now they've, they've sat as many as 40,000 in that stadium and it has room to grow. So Hopefully they build that program, man. Uh, for anybody who listens, I'm pretty sure you sold it. Like, I mean, I want to see that game tomorrow. You, you got me, you got me fired up. You know, they, they were definitely exciting to watch. And, you know, you see Daniel with the Memphis flag behind him. We root for mid majors. We want to see them eventually get their shot. So, you know, we're hoping that whether it's the raging cages, Memphis, you know, somebody in there uh, can find their way into the playoffs. You know, I think eventually, or we, I think we all do think they'll eventually expand them and hopefully those teams start to get a shot uh, or get a chance at a national championship. Um, What about baseball? Do you get to watch much college baseball? You know, so like, it's hard, right? Whenever you, 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 you dedicate some time because I love March Madness. Uh, You know, I love college basketball, not a big uh, professional basketball guy. just never really got into it. I watched the Pelicans if they make it to the playoffs. But then you dedicate time to football, and then I have three girls, 
it's hard to catch the baseball games. But when it comes to the College World Series, and if they're they're in the uh, the regionals and what have you, I definitely try to tune into those. I mean, that's where it really gets fun, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I know the baseball team's been spectacular for for you know years on end. So they they add, I think I just saw because I sometimes catch the highlights. They were playing maybe a team out of Texas, and they had two walk off games in a row, back to back. That was pretty wild, you know. Uh, and that that's something you can just say about LSU always. You know, you cannot count LSU out, you know. And I, I love that about the Tigers, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the last thing I was to say before I let Daniel take back over was in regards to baseball. You know, we had Cade Beloso on here. And we talked to him, and I had to admit something to him. You see all the stuff behind me. You, you see, I believe, everything in Louisiana. But I have went rogue, Jason. You know, uh, I live in North Mississippi now. I've watched a lot of these guys who play for Mississippi State in high school. And I bring it up because Mississippi State travels down to Alex Box this weekend in Baton Rouge. And, uh, man, I think I'm going to root for Mississippi State because I know these kids. I know them real well. And so – I hate to admit it to you on here after all this stuff we talked about, but uh, this weekend I got to say go dogs. I can't believe it. No, you know what, man? I like that. And I'm going to tell you why, because you're, you're pulling something out deep inside of you. It's the, you know, you're not rooting because dad does mom does, you know, you, you found your own relationship with somebody in the team that they're part of and, and you have a soft spot in your heart that you've created. And I like that, man. You know, just let those guys know when they're coming in. It's real easy to find. Look for the stadium with all the national championship banners. <laughs> he he failed to mention, Jason, that, that he's also now this self-proclaimed Browns fan, too. But <laughs> we won't go into all that. But he, he'll uh, understand why, because it's the LSU players. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel that way about Cincinnati, man. You know, look, I, 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 Burrow, man. Burrow's like the breeze of LSU, right? You know, what he did for the college you know, that year was so special. I mean, I was there at the national championship game and I, I actually have footage of almost every touchdown and I had planned to make this collage. And I just never got around to it, but I'll probably do it one day, but uh, it was special, man. That what that, the, the guy had, the highlight reel he had was amazing. Um, you know, so to see him go on to Ohio was awesome. I also proposed to my wife in Ohio. So, uh, you know, it, it, that place holds a soft spot for me. And, um, yeah, I, I get like that too, man. I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Plus, the Browns have never even been to a Super Bowl, right? Like, right. like come on, like you know, let let's let's give those guys something to 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 cheer about. <clears throat> Very true. So you you mentioned you know you and Jim talking about tailgating. You know, I have to ask because you know I, I'm living in Tampa, and Tampa right now is 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 the the city of champions. So. As you can only guess that hopefully everything's back to normal and we're able to tailgate again for the next football season. Give me a couple of tips. Like, how do I have a championship tailgate? Like, what do I need? What foods? Like, what do I, what bases do I need to cover? Oh, man, that's that's tough. You know why? Because we all have a preference, right? So, like, you could cook the most spectacular things, but people that come there and try your food, people like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, my grandpa makes one really good, you know, so – uh, the best thing I can say to you is just, you know, put what you like in it and, and, and enjoy the, the time and people around you, you know, like that, that to me is ultimately going to be the championship tailgate because often people put so much into it and, and want it to be so good that they don't even enjoy themselves, you know, so drink some beers, be patient on what you do, take your time with it, start early in the morning uh, and everything should be all right. So what you're saying is, is how, how you treat your tailgates, how you treat anything in the kitchen is just patience, enjoy, 
and throw a little love in there and everything will be good, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, I, I say this about food because like often people will be like, well, what's the best you ever had? I said, I don't know if best exists. You know, like the, the analogy I love to use all the time is people tell me that green olives are delicious and I think they're terrible, you know? So for that alone right there, I, I have ultimately decided it doesn't matter how good or if I don't think it's good, somebody will try it and, and, and they will love it and somebody will try it and they will hate it. And so for that reason, I'm just not going to get that caught up in, in making it as best as it could be. I just try to get it to where I eat it and I go, damn, that's pretty good. And then I serve it to people from there. So I'm at home and I, I, I just need to get some brownie points with the wife. Like I need something easy, something that's delicious. And like when I look at your videos, I think, man, like I look at the final product. And I'm like, there's a lot that goes into that. So give me something easy, quick that I can just whip together and like blow the socks off my wife. Yeah. You go to your local grocery store, hit up the floral department and get like a dozen roses and, <laughs> you know, and come home and say, baby, I'm taking you out to the finest restaurant you want to go to. Tonight. <laughs> All right. Cause then guess what? You put the hands of good food and somebody else, you get to drink a couple old fashions. And tonight when she gets home, first thing she sees is them roses. So you're going to win pretty big right there, my friend. Absolutely. Now, look, like as far it. as the like food, it. man, if you want to cook at home, you know, something good for the wife, um, you know, I would definitely just feel her out first, right? Like, are you probably known her long enough? Know what she really likes. Do some research on uh, dishes of those types of things that she likes and, uh, you know, find ones that, that, that have got really good reviews or things in the comments and attempt to make that one, you know, cause that, that'll, that'll probably impress her for sure. You know, that, that way you, she knows you're listening and, you know, women like when we listen. That's right. And she'll, she'll tell me first, you know, I don't care as long as I don't have to cook it. <laughs> yeah. That's what my, my wife says too. <laughs> All right, Jason, man, before we let you bounce, Randy's going to take you through a game called this or that. Let's do it. All right. So it's easy. This is the premise of this is I'm going to give you two options. And the only rules are, you cannot pick both, and you cannot pick either, right? Okay. One or the other. We're going to start off. Usually we start off with some softball questions, but, you know, I didn't write this one, but it's starting off pretty tough. If you had to pick one or the other, LSU or the Saints? Ooh. I'm going to say LSU, and, 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 and uh, can I ask, say why? Absolutely. Okay, so because, uh, you know, for anybody who loves the Saints, don't hate on me. You know, it's all preference, right? My thing is, is I love watching uh, – something when it's starting to grow, you know, um, and, and that's what you get in college. You get to see guys who are just starting to blossom, you know, and, and there's a fun thing about watching people who aren't doing something for money, you know, that they're just doing it for the love. So I would say LSU. Okay. I can, I can dig that. All right. Eat catfish or crawfish. Oh man. Uh, that is really tough. It would be, it would kind of depend on the dish, man. Um, it, if we're breaking it down between boiled crawfish and catfish, I would probably say catfish. And I know a lot of people be like, really? But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess I just had so much boiled crawfish in my life that it's not, you know, something that I'm like, oh, I got to have it, you know? Um, I think for people who probably barely get to eat it, they would say that. But, um, you know, something about good thin fried, crispy fried catfish and some, and some really good homemade tartar sauce. I can dig it. I can dig both of those things. All right, so if you had to cook one or the other, would you rather cook gumbo or jambalaya? Uh, I 
Probably gumbo. Probably gumbo. There's something about making a roux, man. It's it's uh, you know, it's therapeutic. You know, especially yeah, yeah. when you do it from scratch. You know, and uh, and and when you when you put a good gumbo together and and people taste it, they they're just so blown away at how those flavors came to be. So I would say gumbo. Yeah, my mom, she definitely she did both growing up, and she's not Cajun. She's actually from California. Don't ask me how she got all that, but she did it all from scratch, and it tasted good to me, right? Bravo her, to her. Her favorite city in the whole world is New Orleans, though, so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so, all right, this is an easier one. And you asked earlier, you know how old we are. We're all 36, 37, so same age. Uh, call or text? Oh, man. Uh, <clears throat> nowadays, I, you know, and, and I know we're older and calling was a thing, but I do love texting. And the reason why is because it's easier for me to go back and look what was said or, you know, because nowadays, especially like there's so much thrown at me. And I think I told you guys, like, look, please remind me, you know, because when I get called and told something, dude, it could be one one ear out the other. But texting, I can go back and look at messages, see what we talked about. And it's also great to have if somebody's trying to change the story. It's like, whoa, that's not what you said. <laughs> you know, so I, I do like texting. Nah, I totally agree. I, I would actually, if you call me, I'm probably going to watch the phone ring, let it go to voicemail, and then text you and say, what's up? <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we ask this question a lot to, to young athletes, and they always say the same thing. Would you rather be smart or be funny? Man, I'm going to say funny. I, I, I mean, like, look, I'll tell you, look, I'm not somebody who graduated college, um, barely graduated high school. And, and it's not because I wasn't smart enough. Um, and which I guess I, I, you know, I guess you'd have to define smart, right? Because um, the guy who knows calculus uh, probably wouldn't be very smart if he'd have to go work on a construction site, you know? Um, so that definition can kind of vary there. But uh, if we're basing it strictly on, uh, you know, your knowledge of textbooks, I'm going to say funny because that got me the girl that got me the platform, you know, like that, that take being able to make people laugh opens a lot of doors. So I'm going to say funny for sure. A hundred, hundred percent. All right. So this, we, I think I know your answer. We talked about it earlier, but if you had to pick, they fight tomorrow. Khabib, Khabib or Poirier. Oh dude, I'm rooting Poirier all day. Yeah. All like, right. I, I don't care win, if, if the, I, oh, who would win, yeah. who would win. Yeah. Okay. Look, I, I, I don't know if I can answer who would win rightfully, but I, I'm going to I'm going to believe and hope that Poirier gets it done. It depends on the setting, too. There's a lot of factors here. So so the thing about that fight initially, it was overseas in Khabib's backyard. I'd love to see that fight take place right here in the States, in Vegas. Doesn't have to have these crazy international flights, get on a different sleep schedule. You know, the whole rigmarole, you know, have people your hometown cheering you on and feel that energy of your crowd. I think he can beat them. I really do. I think his jujitsu game is really good. He's strong. He's better stand up. I think he can beat him. You know, why settle for Vegas? I'd say we go straight to New Orleans. My man, I like that. Man, <laughs> man, put that thing at the Cajun Dome, bro. Let's, really <laughs> yeah, let's go down the bayou. Yeah. All right. Last one. This is a signature question, and then we're going to get you out of here. And I'm going to judge you on this one. All right. Friends or money? Oh, friends always. Yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, I'm going to tell you like this, man. Um, there's no amount of money that you could pay me to, to, to delete my group text with my high school buddies. You know, uh, you know and, and, and to this day, like I, one of them in there is still called Monkey. You know, like this is just what we called him. You know, that was his nickname growing up in high school. So, uh, you know, that's what we call him. And, you know, and 
I, I wouldn't, I have no, no amount of money for that. I tell people all the time though, you know, like, especially with social media, I don't chase numbers. I chase happiness. Um, you know, I tell people one is greater than a million. And what I mean by that is just this one-on-one -on -one with me and you right here, me and him right here, me and him right here. It means so much more to me than to see a big number of followers that I don't know nothing about. That's why I try to dedicate as much time as I can to people who come on my platform and talk to me. Um, because that's something that money cannot buy. Well, you did the best job of explaining it, and you almost made me want to change my answer. Almost. But I look, these are my friends from high school, and, we, of course, we do have a group chat, and I'm still picking money over them. i got to be honest <laughs> with you, Jason. But I love them to death even still. But, I think so if you didn't see them again, man, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that money you had in hand would, would quickly – I'll tell you, bro, money just buys stuff. I'm, it does yeah, not buy that feeling you get every time you see these guys. Yeah, man. I got to be honest with you, man. I don't feel that great when I see him. I just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. This, this guy. I'm just this kidding. Guy. So uh, I, you're off the hot seat now. So um, let you – I want you plug and promote everything for our listeners. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm never real big to be the guy who says, oh, go follow me and follow me that. You know, uh, you know, people are looking for me that have never heard of me before that are new to that are coming on you guys stage. You just Google the Cajun engine. You should be able to find my stuff. Uh, and, and I mean, if anybody else is also thinking, well, what about Paya seasoning? You can get it through the Cajun engine dot com. And, uh, and I am working hard to get it in more grocery stores. It will be in every Rouse's from Louisiana through Mississippi, Alabama, come at the end of next week. I mean, end of this week or early next week. So, but other than that, yeah, man, I, you know, if people want to find me, just Google the Cajun engine. Well, Jason, man, we appreciate you coming on, taking the time to, to tell us your story and, you know, just to chat and talk something different than what we usually get, man. I appreciate it. Oh, no doubt, man. This was a lot of fun, man. I, this is actually different from any podcast I've ever done. You know, I feel like I got to really showcase my knowledge of sports here. You know, uh, you know, I'm the food guy, right? I, I was lucky enough to do little segments on ESPN radio every week. But uh, even that guy, you know, uh, shout out Gus, if he ever sees this, he was real big into talking to me about food. What were we going to eat this week? You know, so it's nice to have talked a lot of sports today. I had a lot of fun doing that. Well, how about this? When, when football season gets kicked back up again, we're going to bring you on. We'll, we'll let you do some pickums with us, and we'll talk Saints and LSU. We'll, we'll, we'll give you the, the floor to tell us all about Louisiana football, man. Sounds great, man. I look forward to it. Absolutely. That's the Cajun Ninja, everybody. Go to YouTube. Check out the Cajun Ninja. Go to Payao Seasonings. Check that out. Buy some. Season it up. Get your kitchen. Get your food. Get everything on point. We're going to take a break. Plug our sponsors. When we come back, we'll be live on Locker Room discussing Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, NBA updates, and the NCAA tournament. Welcome back to the End Off the Bench podcast. we got some headlines for you tonight. We're going to start off with the Fell and Jim. I'm going to give you a chance right now for a moratorium, a eulogy. the passing that's a terrible word but the retirement of drew Brees. you know a lot of mixed emotions but you know to start i'm grateful grateful for the ride grateful for you know the opportunity to be a fan of a you know just a winner man an elite competitor um he turned a franchise around he gave a city hope 
and, uh, you know, just applaud him for the job he's done. And with that, I'll applaud him for stepping down at the right time because, guys, I have not made it a secret. It was time to go. And so while I am sad, I am also happy. Not excited, but happy. And it's time for the next step. I look forward to hearing him in the booth, but it's time to get a new quarterback in the black and gold. But who who is that who is that gonna be? Oh man, it's gonna be Taysom Hill. You know, I don't care if James Winston signed that contract today. Taysom Hill is the man. Y'all know how I feel about that. He has earned the opportunity with that. Um, you know, I don't have any confirmation on that, I believe that, but you know, as the saying goes, I think there would be a short leash with the money you pay James Winston with him salivating at the opportunity to jump in and show what he's got, but you know, because I don't think this is college, man. I don't think this is like some quarterback competition in camp. I, I mean, I believe it's Taysom's to start, but like I said, I have no, you know, absolute knowledge from anybody, you know, in that that realm that could tell me that for sure. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk about some signings, Randy. Your money, man. Aaron Jones, four years, forty-eight mil. Uh, is is that worth it? Yeah, I think he could have got more on the open market if he chose to go that route. His agent even kind of talked about it, and he just said, you know, he wanted to stay with the Packers. I think it's a fair asking price, and it, it was about getting getting your bag and also playing for. Yeah, so so Jim, is there anybody else that you see this? You know, in the in the, the week or the next coming days, that's going to get released, traded, or or anybody getting re-signed. I know Gronk is probably uh, the latest to sign a one-year deal for ten mil. Um, what do you What do you got? Well, that's you know the first thing I was going to hit on. Not just Gronk, but the Bucks in general, right? You know, last Monday you ran down a list of guys' names who were potentially going to other destinations, and on that list were four Bucks and. Every one of them staying home. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's where you got to start, right? Defending champs retained everybody they need, needed to to make another run at it. So, I mean, as much as I hate it, shout out to them for being able to do that. Because, you know, a lot of times when money's thrown at you, guys, you know, they say they want to win another championship, but sometimes money talks and uh, it seems like championships are talking. Absolutely. Uh, that list that I gave you is slowly getting shorter, and the Bucks are seemingly figuring them all. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll get your take, Jim, and I'll get Randy's as well. But Taysom Hill, restructured contract, or kind of, but not really. So, like, what is this that, that we're hearing from Taysom Hill – and an extension or a restructuring, like, what is all this? Man, thank God for Randy, right? Like, because I I just thought they were overpaying him, and I was kind of fine with it. But then, you know, Randy had to really break down the details and show me how it wasn't what everybody thought. And, man, it's amazing how many messages I got. Like, y'all overpaid, y'all overpaid. And then you see, like, you know, I've seen people talking about, well, we thought Dak got overpaid. Look at Taysom Hill, and then Randy breaks it down, and it's you know it's fake news, so to speak, man. It's just a way to manipulate the cap in the Saints' favor, and if they want to, they can cut them loose 
you know, next year. So it's it's it looks good now, but maybe not so much in the future. Yeah, Randy. So is is that a, a tactic that teams tend to use, or is this something new? No, I think it's it's becoming more the norm. But what you're seeing here was that the Saints were a hundred million dollars over the salary cap this year. So Jim mentioned it several times before they've made a lot of cuts restructures. And this was them hitting two birds with one stone. They get to restructure his deal, pay him. It saves them seven and a half million. Now they made all the years are voidable, every single one of them. So all it really does is free up cap space and they can void it at any time. Uh, So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that where it's really, it's fake hustle. It's monopoly money. They're also going to give they're going to give him a little bit of a bag, but it's not a long term commitment by any means. Absolutely, and Jim, I do want to talk about a signing though. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to bring up the fact that Jim is is salivating over 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 a receiver finally going to Baltimore, but he's been the biggest hater of Lamar Jackson. So, I, I, Jim, you got to talk explain. me through this. Yeah, no, I'll explain. Simply because if he gets DJ Chark, then I can't hear about all he has is Hollywood Brown. And so uh, I believe with what he did at Jacksonville and the quarterback situation there, if if he did that there, then he should be able to do the same thing, if not better, you know, in a Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. So I want it to happen just because I want no more excuses for the guy. You want him to fail so bad. I, I don't understand. So bad. I don't understand. Like, he is a better version of Taysom Hill. No. No. Absolutely. Absolutely he is. He doesn't have to play every position to be better than Taysom Hill. You won't get another gym the rest of the night. I don't need gems from you because I, I'm I'm throwing out hot hot takes with my hot cakes, bro. So let's move on though. NBA. Um, hold up, what up, what up, what up? Hold up, hold up. As a, as a resident Colts fan, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least talk about the fact that Danico Autry not only does he leave the Colts, huge pillar on the line, but he signs with the hated Tennessee Titans. And I wish Sean Coleman was in here. Got three years, $21.5 million. I mean, that's not like they're, it's the end of the world. I feel like the Colts had plenty of cap room to re-sign him. He's not a pro bowler. He's not an all-pro. He's not a guy that most people know, but the Colts will absolutely miss that guy. So what, so what does that mean, like, if they're willing to get rid of that guy, are they replacing him, or is there somebody – that's a backup that can play or are they going to shuffle some guys around like i feel well, like that's a pretty pretty that's a pretty like important position just to go you know we can re-sign you but we're not peace out yeah i think that they just he got more value elsewhere and we all saw that the titans were god awful on defense and and you know they'll probably continue to be god awful because they're the titans but I think that the Colts have a lot of free agent space, and they got to have a plan. They definitely have some depth there, and defensive line was one of their strengths. The whole defense is their strength. I think they're really going to focus on receivers and offensive line. Well, with a, a new quarterback, they probably, you know, that's probably the best route. Um, but moving on to NBA, Randy, while while we're we're chatting, the the Grizz are at halftime right now. They're down. 
eight to the Suns. It's been a rough couple of games. Um, give me an update on the Grizz, what what we can expect over the next week, and just an update in the Western Conference in general. You know, it's so tough being in the West and being into this team. What happens is it starts to run away from you because, you know, you lose a game to the Bucks that, you know, okay, we all understand. Uh, you lose a game to the Nuggets. They're not even expected to win that game. Call doesn't go the way you think it should at the end. I still don't think it was a foul, but he did raise his hand. We'll not talk about that later. But then you lose those two games. You absolutely cannot under any circumstance lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You especially cannot lose to the Thunder when you blow a double-digit lead. Uh, you force 25 turnovers, only turn the ball over seven times, and you know blow a double-digit lead in the, in the third and fourth quarter. they got to find a way to get this – the ship righted with the second half collapses. And I, I've seen a lot of people talk about Aaron – I mean, Aaron, I'm, I'm reading uh, – Taylor Jenkins' rotations, and, and I've definitely called some of them into question. Um, I think that Jonas sat too long against the Thunder. He was their one advantage. And I think what the Grizzlies tend to fall back on is not defending the three-point line. And if you do that against a team like the Thunder, they'll they'll kill you. Obviously, they have Shea Gildas-Alexander, but – then, you know, you got the – I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce his name. He goes off for career high, hits like 87 threes in a quarter. Uh, you can't lose those games because now you got the Suns and, and it just spirals. That you got It's a lot tougher. You have to win the games that you're supposed to win. Well, the reason that guy was playing is because didn't the Thunder have like three of their their starters out? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, but, you know, they're they're also. I would rather Jermichael Green play against the Grizzlies than him because Jermichael Green isn't going to rain threes on your head. True. I mean, it's it, it's bother it's not bothering me because we're still ahead of where we we should be, but it's worrisome for the the playoffs because you got teams like the Warriors beating the Jazz and the Pelicans beating the Clippers, like. And currently the Warriors are up on the Lakers. So it's it's not like these teams that are surrounding you at the bottom fighting for the those bottom positions are struggling like you are. Like they're actually getting better. So, I mean, they, I think you're right. They got to right the ship in, in some kind of way and, and figure it out. And I don't know if that just means we got to get Triple J back or it's just taking what we got. And I, that's another story. I have no idea what's going on on that front. Randy, do you know – I mean, is is he hurt? Is he having a setback, or are they just being overly precautious? What's up? I don't think that there's any setback. And, you know, Rob obviously is a Grizzlies fan in the comments as well. I think they probably are being overly cautious. But you've also heard Triple J talk about he want, he doesn't want this to, you know, hamper the backside of his career either. So maybe he's also being cautious – and people have to realize that this was the rebuild year, and it was not all about going all in right now. Another thing that people – I don't know where we got off to this, that this front office owes us an explanation uh, for the moves they make. They really don't. I mean, obviously you're going to get criticism and you're going to have all that, but I, I don't mind it. I, I think we used to have – when Chris Wallace was a GM, you know, we had leaks like a frozen water system, and now we don't. And I think that's a sign of a strong front office in my opinion. Yeah, I just think everyone's just worried because the the thought was after the All-Star break, we would have him back. And it, he went from being questionable or potentially questionable soon to 
I'll throw it over to you to give us an update on the Eastern Conference and on your boy Westbrook. Well, you know, they've started off 0-3 after the break, but I sent you their schedule, you know, during the during the All-Star break, and I told you where they needed to put it all together, and they got a nice stream of, like, 15 games. This was not it. Um, the Grizz, Bucks, and Sixers are, are not ideal, especially – one of those games, the big game from Russ, he had the 42-point triple-double. There was no bill in that. So, uh, very tough to beat the Bucks when you don't have the leading scorer. And so, uh, but, I mean, he's done his thing. He is – he's entertained. And, you know, I was there in Memphis, man. You know, for all the jokes you guys have, and, gee, I need you to listen because you know how much they hammer on me. This dude was less than one foot from me, and I'm not even exaggerating. And I didn't say nothing to him. I didn't touch him. I didn't act weird. As a matter of fact, I was the only person in the section who didn't say anything to him. I just enjoyed it for what it was. I did, you know, take a lot of video and whatnot. But uh, seeing my boy that close and watching him get to battle with with Jossum uh, was awesome. And and that was the game where Memphis had it together, right? I know we moved over to the East. But um, Memphis looked really good. And uh, so I'm kind of disappointed, you know, as y'all were talking about, with what's happened the last couple games. As far as the East as a whole, it's just, I mean, it's chalk right now. Like, it's, it's the Sixers, it's the Nets, it's the Bucks. Like, I mean, you know, the Celtics are still going to be up there, the Raptors are going to be up there, whatever. But, I mean, I, I Whoa, know, you didn't even mention. Because they're, they're coming in strong, bro. Four C. But I still don't think anybody's going to, I don't think anybody's going to beat those top three, specifically those top two. Oh, well, people said that last year, too, including you. Man, I'd like to see that Miami Heat team beat this current Nets constructed roster, bro. Well, not the Nets, but they can absolutely and they will beat the Sixers again. Okay, well, get ready to lay some coin. I'll take that one. Oh Lord, it's, yeah. yeah I'm they ain't gonna the Celtics if they play them. That's the matchup That's I hope they get is the year. Celtics because the Celtics are <laughs> soft as charming boys. <laughs> that's the thing that's missing, you know. We talked about it a lot last year. Jason Tatum, man. Oh, what does it take to get that guy to have a killer instinct, man? He's got all the talent in the world. He just he seems unmotivated. It kills me. Yeah, I, I'm still wanting my money back from the, the bet we laid down on, on Boston last year. When Jokers laid down hard. And Jimmy Butler just steamrolled him. Hey, Daniel, you know, G mentioned in the, the uh, comments, and y'all were texting about it in real time, you know, the Embiid injury and how much worse it could have been. Yeah, I mean, I didn't – I was watching, I think, the Grizzlies game, and you see Twitter and you, you get some some people chirping, but I didn't see the actual video of the injury until the next day, and – even still, I thought it was worse than what people were reporting. Like they were saying it's some a bone bruise, but it looked awful. But, I mean, I, I agree with G, man. Like it, the next two weeks without him is probably going to be telling. They're either going to sink or swim quickly, and I don't know what their schedule looks like. But when you're you're missing someone like him, like you're going to have to work really hard to to get past it. So. Um, I'll be interested to see how the, the NBA rolls in the next couple of weeks. But, guys, my focus is not going to be too much on the NBA over the next weeks. It's going to be on the NCAA tournament and just 
you know, my, my team isn't in it. They were on the outside looking in, but I'm just excited that we're able to have a tournament. We fielded 68 teams. Um, Randy, Tennessee, five seed against the 12 seed Oregon State. Did you expect them to be a better or a higher seed, or is that where you, where you thought they might be? I mean, going over the last week, that's where I thought they'd be. If we're talking about back in December and January, I expected to have them on the one line the way they were playing. So, you know, it's disappointing to see them fall and be inconsistent as the season went on. And then obviously in the SEC tournament, you see them kind of turn it on, play really well against Florida two games in a row. Um, and then obviously you had the absolute unnecessary pair of elbows, you know, to Fulkerson from Omar Payne and – you know, it, it takes him out. Now, Fulkerson is absolutely not their best player, but he is absolutely one of the most important players on that team. They go as he goes, so not having him again in the Alabama game definitely hurt them down the stretch because he's a calming force and he's also a hustler, defender. Uh, but in that game, you know, they're up nine at half and just didn't get it done. Uh, and it, I think the toughness showed. Not having him, I hope he can get back. And I think that, you know, G, to your point, they could be one and done. But they also could go – I would not be surprised at all if they go on a run, if the freshmen get hot and they make a, you know, elite eight. I just it, – it, they're so inconsistent. Does does Fulkerson figure out a way to play? I don't think they're going to leave it up to him, given the, the nature that we take, how serious we take head injuries as we should. I think that uh, if there's any doubt at all that he's, you know, lucid, all there, he will not play. And if you saw his eye in that Alabama game, well, he's he's even having surgery done. I think it was today, a minor procedure, but I just can't see it. I mean, they play Friday. I just I... – Man, that's that's tough. And the, the guy at Florida's name, like, play – the tournament that, that's my opinion I mean it wasn't one elbow it was two and you can tell me competition heat of the moment you can tell me a lot of different things but every time I see the replay I see a guy knowing exactly what he's doing not once but twice so it's it just sucks that Tennessee had to be on the the wrong end of that but Jim you know, being Memphis guys, we got to talk Memphis quickly before we jump and break down uh, each of these regions in the, in the in the tournament. You know, Memphis outside looking in, they get an NIT game against Dayton. Is this is this an important tournament for them, despite not being in the big tournament? I mean, no. I, I thought you know you predicted originally that if they got invited to the NIT, they probably wouldn't even go especially with all the COVID stuff. I don't know how interested they'll be in winning games. It's hard to ever know. I, you know, I just want to touch on something, and I'm still sick about it. We, we've talked about it. You know, I've went over it a million times. Wichita State being 16-5, and five, Memphis being 16-8. Wichita State didn't have to play as many games because they, they were canceled. They didn't. Memphis beat the brace off from 72-52, to 52, um, should have played again. I just – I absolutely hate the Memphis – um, got a slap in the face with the number one seed in the NIT in Wichita State is in. I just – I can't get past it, man. You know how I am. I hold a grudge, and I'm pissed off, and I wish nothing but losses on them dudes. Well, I mean, it, it, as, as much as I want to buck the system and, and fight the power, man, I'm not going to because 
the bottom line is, is Memphis had their chance to win and they didn't. And I, you can say what they, what you want. They were take games were taken away from them. Yes. But the reality is, is they outplayed Houston, not once, but twice and lost the game because they can't make the shots that are considered the free ones. And, you know, when you shoot less than 50% from the free throw line and you, you make 22 of 56 or whatever it was, free throws in, in two games against a team like Houston, you don't you don't deserve to do it, you know. And I, I, I'm glad Boogie Ellis had the, the game of his life, and I hope that he comes back. But you got to make free throws, and, and you can't miss free throws because they hurt, especially against good teams. Well, that's um, the one thing I'll say is because you said Boogie Ellis come back. I don't think that anybody obviously jumped off the radar this year to where they should be leaving, and I think they should feel nothing but um, encouraged based upon how, even with the loss, the close losses to Houston, with how they played. So to your original question, if they do play in this NIT well and they win it, um, and, you know, I can't remember which one of y'all mentioned it back in the Calipari days, but the Memphis run started with the NIT title the year before. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe that'll happen. But all these guys should be coming back. And Penny, it was very encouraging down the stretch. I mean, that's what I hope for. As far as free throws, man, I just wish that curse on Memphis would go away. Yeah, me too. Um, I will say that the next year is going to be a telling year. I think this NIT, you know, is going to be a, a – good step in the right direction as far as who's staying, who's leaving, and and is there momentum moving into next year. Um, but, guys, let's let's jump into it. Uh, this is what we've been hearing over the past couple of nights. We had a selection show yesterday. We've had a breakdowns and people and everyone giving their, their, their two cents on the brackets, so so are we. Um, Randy, I'll start with you. Just looking at the tournament as a whole and those that were selected in the rankings, was there anybody that's in that you were surprised at being in or anybody that's out? No, I don't think anybody was surprising. With all the bracketologies and – too, man. Oh, my bad. We had some cutout. So – I don't think it was any surprise by anybody because we have so many bracketologists and we kind of knew before we – hell, we knew halfway through the season. We just needed to know where they were going to fall. Um, I don't think there's any surprise. And this, this could be the year that a lot of it goes down as chalk, which means we'll probably get, you know, another 16 over a one. But, no, I wasn't surprised by anybody that was in or that was out. Yeah, what about you, Jim? No, I wasn't either. I mean, I spoke to the only one that really stood out. You know, I saw a lot of argument, Randy. I want to ask you as the SEC guy, should Ole Miss have been in? No, absolutely not. Too many losses. Yeah, I mean, that that's the easy argument. But, um, you know, they talked about their their great wins. They, they got some really good ones on the resume. So I was just curious to your thoughts because you're the SEC guy. Yeah, we, we got these play-in guys that, you know, the one that I think that sticks out to everybody, you know, Randy, is it surprising that they got Michigan State and UCLA as a play-in game? No, I like it because it's going to actually make people watch the play-in games that are the casuals, right? People are going to – they know those names. They they know those brands. I mean, I think Michigan State, you know, having a, a chance to see either one of those teams lose – Absolutely. And, Jim, you mentioned Wichita State not being deserving of making it in. They're in a play-in game against Drake. Are, 
are all Memphis fans rooting for Drake? And I don't mean the rapper. I mean the the school. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think so, man. I don't, you know, it's it's that whole thing where people discuss, do you root for teams in your conference when you're not the one playing them? And it's always debatable. But when you got that, you know, nasty taste in your mouth that we got, right, I agree, Randy. That nasty taste in your mouth that the Memphis fans got, yeah, we're rooting against them hard. All right, well, let's let's break these things down region by region. Let's start in the West. You got Gonzaga, the number one seed, with Iowa, the two, Kansas, the three, and Virginia, the four. Virginia's having some some COVID issues that they're trying to work through. I think from all accounts, they're going to figure it out, but uh, they could be without some people heading into it. But, uh, Randy, I'll start with you. Who who do you got in, in the East or in the West? I mean, I got Gonzaga, obviously, coming out of that. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Oklahoma-Missouri, I got Missouri coming out of that one with a tough one. But I don't. that's probably the easiest bracket I've ever seen, the easiest road to a Final Four I've ever seen in the West. So is there any matchups that you're you're intrigued with? Um, you know, I think that, man, not, not, not really. I mean, I think the one that would get me is I would love to see Conzo Martin's team against Gonzaga just because I think they're such a tough team. Uh, their physicality could give Gonzaga some problems. Um, I could see Kansas losing their first game to Eastern Washington. They're so inconsistent. They're going to be without some guys, uh, from, from what I understand. Iowa is a week two seed. I, I just don't, I don't like that side of the bracket. Yeah, it's. I think part of it is is you, you don't see a whole lot of Gonzaga that often. You you get to see highlights, but as far as games, the games that you did see, and and this is why you know I have them going pretty far is because the games that you do see them play against these high ranked opponents, they just dominate. Um, they score a lot of points. They're well coached. They play some D. Like it, they're going to be a, a a tough tough out. Um, so we'll see, but I, I'm looking forward to that Creighton UC Santa Barbara matchup. I think, you know, Creighton got blown out, um, out the gym by Georgetown. So they're, they're going to have to fight hard and, you know, I'm not putting it past Virginia to lose in the first round to Ohio either. Jim, looking at the West, who, who you got? Man, I'm, I'm just like Randy Gonzaga. We've talked about it since before the season started. We've talked through the season. I have no reason to not believe in them. I don't care if I haven't seen them that much. I know what I know uh, about them and who their coach is and the quality of players they got. And like Randy said, I look at this bracket, and I just don't see anybody that just says, I think they can do it. So, I mean, Gonzaga. All right. So, any any matchups you're looking forward to in that first round? Uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing how Kansas does because we've talked about the Blue Bloods this year. And, you know, they end up, get, you know, finishing the season well. They get a get a three. You know, are they somebody who's susceptible, you know, especially the way this year's kind of went for those teams uh, to losing in the early rounds and really just solidifying and putting put a nail in the coffin for these, these big-name programs? Yeah, so let's jump over – to the south, and you got Baylor as the top seed. You've got Ohio State as the two. You got 
excuse me, you have Purdue as the four, you have Arkansas as the three. Uh, Randy, same thing. Who you got coming out of, out of the South? Oh man, I really this is this. There's a lot more intriguing matchups in this one to me. I think you know the safe money, even though it's just it's chalk. I think that Baylor is going to come out of there, but I think you could see some upsets. Um, I think Virginia Tech can beat Florida. Uh, I think Ohio State could end up beating Baylor, but Texas Tech, that's a six seed. I think they're way down the line. That team has an, you know, they, they play well, really well some nights. Uh, Villanova with their, you know, losing their starting point guard kind of puts them at a disadvantage. Colgate can score 200 points. So I think they have an opportunity to really, as in the 14 seed, upset Arkansas if Arkansas has an off night. It's going to take that kind of effort, but I really still – this one, man, I think if I – gun to my head, I would still pick Baylor to come out of the South just because I think they have the most consistent roster and I love their coach. But uh, I could definitely see it could be Ohio State or Texas Tech to come out of the South. So I, I'll be the first to tell you, I think Utah State can beat Texas Tech. I don't think Colgate's going to beat Arkansas. I don't. They might score a lot of points. I just don't think they're going to match up and, and, and beat them. Um, I agree with you. I think Virginia Tech can beat Florida, and I hope they do just based on, you know, what happened against Tennessee. Um, Ohio State, always a threat. I think Purdue is, is a viable threat to Baylor, and I think they'll, they'll have a matchup. Um, but inevitably, I think I, I got Baylor. Uh, coming out of that Jim what about you yeah I mean I got Baylor too but you know Randy said something about Colgate I actually think Arkansas just man maybe it's because I've watched more of their games than any team in the south like I feel like they're a legit threat um you know Villanova and Jay Wright are always you know I don't care if the five's next to them um they can always make a run so like like Randy said again you know a lot more interesting games and teams in this one. But, I mean, you know, I hate to do it as well as him, but chalk, man, give me Baylor. Yeah, I mean, based on those two two teams, Gonzaga and Baylor in those two regions, there there's nothing that has happened over the course of the season that tells me that, that anybody in those brackets are, are going to do enough to beat them. So, Jumping down to the bottom half, the East, you got Michigan, who earned themselves a one seed. You got Alabama as a two seed. You've got Texas as a three and Florida State as the four. Jim, you know, I'll, I'll let you lead this one off. I know you, you used to be a, a Michigan guy. Is Michigan the team to come out of, to come out of the East? All right, so they would have been who I picked, right? I, I definitely think they should be, but I just I don't want to go chalk all the way. And I look at who's hot other than them in this bracket, man. In Texas, um, you know, you make an easy case that the Big 12 is definitely the best conference, you know, or toughest conference this year. And so um, you just look at how they've put together a run. Um, I think they could be a team that really makes it up. I don't think it's Alabama because I watched a lot of SEC games. And a lot of people are talking about Florida State, rightfully so. Um, I don't know, man. I think the East is the most interesting of all of them, right? Like, you know, I hate it for Juwan Howard, Michigan, right? Like there, I mean, there's four or five teams that could to, could definitely give them, you know, a run for it. Yeah, very true. Um, I would say for me, I I have not watched a lot of SEC basketball other than the SEC tournament, and I was thoroughly impressed with Alabama. Um, I think they're well coached, um, and 
I could easily see Alabama and Texas meeting. I could easily see Michigan and Florida State meeting. Um, but you know, I, I think I I think I'm going to take the two or the three. I think I haven't decided yet, but I, I think I would go Alabama or Texas to to win that bracket. Um, and if you you had to put a gun to my head right now, I think I would go Texas just because. Um, I'm riding a, a, way, a high wave of the SEC tournament, and I don't have the full gamut of, of, of the, the schedule in front of me to pick Bama. Um, and plus, I, I, really, I really like Texas. You know, I, I, I like Shaka Smart. I, I hope that they're able to do something. Um, but, Randy, who you got in the East? Well, just right off the top, I just put it in the comments. I got LSU beating Michigan in the second game. Oh, um, that because Trendon I Wofford. well, yeah, Isaiah Livers being out is going to it's a huge loss for Michigan. Um, and, you know, I, I just think LSU, I think even with him, LSU would give them struggles, you know, kind of like G said in the comments. LSU has a lot of pros on the team. Uh, I think Colorado, I know a lot of people are picking that as their 12-5. I don't see it at all. I've watched Georgetown play several times this year. Yes, they got one on a run. I do not believe in them at all. I think Colorado's a really good team. Florida State's playing really well. Texas, I think Shaka's going to uh, win. I think they're going to get to the Sweet 16. But I got Alabama and LSU meeting again for the finals in that one. And I'm going to go with LSU this time. You think about it like this, watching the game yesterday. And I've watched LSU and Alabama, you know, ten times each this year. Yeah, I think if they played ten times, I think that LSU, I think they split. Um, LSU, if not for getting in their own way yesterday, they got the tip in for the win. And those teams matched up really well against each other. Uh, I'm a huge believer in LSU. Do you think Do you think Watford should have drove and not settled for a three-pointer? You know, I do, but that's the game now, right? I mean, we talked about it in the group chat. You know, nobody wants um, a mid-range shot or they don't want to drive. Either, either the three or a shot right at the rim. Uh, and I think that they look at that like a good shot. It's kind of like baseball, either home run or strikeout. It's all. You know, what's funny is I I can see that happening, but I think LSU has to win that first game. And I think, honestly, I think of the, the rest of the games that they would slide into if they do win the first one, I think the first one opponent-wise is probably the toughest. Because I think I you you know what you're getting when you when you have to play a Michigan or a Florida State or a Texas or Alabama. It's you know when you play a St. Bonaventure, who I mean, you guys know they're they are 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 veterans to this tournament. So you know it, it'll be interesting to see um, how how that plays out. But Randy, moving over to the Midwest, the last bracket. Who who are you taking? I know I know your your team's in there. Break it down for us. Uh, obviously, I think Illinois coming off of the the Big Ten tournament proved a lot of people. They they played so well. Um, and the eight nine shout out to Josh Passner and Georgia Tech. Super impressed. I know that they got there because some teams were out. I still you know can't take anything away. He's still the ACC champion after leaving Memphis. Now he has been the coach of the year. Now he's an ACC champion. Shout out to him, great human being. Uh, Tennessee got their hands full, man. They they starting with Oregon State, if they and I think they will get past that game. And then your you know your prize is to play Cade Cunningham, the future number one pick. 
Um, so it's, it's going to be tough. But Syracuse, man, I'm never going to bet against Jim Beheim. I know San Diego State's good, but give me the 11 Syracuse in that first-round matchup. West Virginia, I'm going with them. Clemson and, and Houston, I don't even want to pick them, but I think they're winning. Coming out of the bracket, I am going to go chalk at the end of it because I do think Illinois is going to come out. Uh, but I think that Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham knock off Tennessee and they give Illinois all they want. And Cade Cunningham is exactly the kind of player you want in this tournament because he can go on a run all by himself and pull off an upset. But I think this one, this match, this bracket, you know, if it's not the South, it's the Midwest that has so many interesting games. I can see it going a bunch of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was – I watched a lot of the, the Big Ten – tournament along with the SEC tournament and I'll tell you what man that when you look at Illinois top to bottom those dudes can flat play and like I got them like I'm high on them right now so they might run into uh, a Josh Pastner (laughs) Georgia Tech team and and just he might just shut them down but I mean I'm, I'm feeling good about Illinois I think Tennessee's gonna get get on uh, past Oregon State. I think they're gonna set up a, a matchup with with like you said, Kate Cunningham and Oklahoma State. But who who knows? You know, Jerry Falwell might still be riding high around Liberty, and the the flame the flames might 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 push him. Um, but we'll see. Shout and out, Jerry. shout out, Jerry. Um, but man, what I what I hope happens is you get a Syracuse, a Jim Beheim, and, and a Bob Huggins matchup in the second round. Uh, you know, I think Bob Huggins' team they always are, are tough, and, and those kinds of teams really really bode well for tournaments like this. I got West Virginia and Houston matching up, and like I'm still flipping a coin. Like I want Houston to go as far as they possibly can. Um, but inevitably, whoever makes it to play Illinois, I think Illinois is gonna gonna take them down. So I got Illinois with the Midwest. Jim, who are you, who are you taking? Yeah, I mean, I go back to the one of the you know few games I'd watched prior to these tournaments was Illinois against Michigan, and I just I mean they absolutely drubbed them, and so I mean that's a lasting memory I got. And with Illinois, you know, they're just they're so good. Um, so, I mean, in the end I got them, but as far as the other games, I'm going to go, I'm going to go against Randy on something, you know, I like that he picked against the squad. I see what he's doing. Um, but I think Tennessee's going to get past Oklahoma state called a hunch because simply because here's the reason why I've seen them at their best. And I love that everybody's out on them now, right? Something about that appeals to me. You know, you guys know how I am. I like to be against everybody else. So now that everybody's out on Tennessee, I've seen all these experts bracket. They are getting upset in all of theirs. And so for that, not only will they win that first game, I think they'll win the second game. And then I'm with you, Daniel. Um, You know, it's easy to want to hate on Houston, um, but you do want to see the American Conference representative that's not Wichita State. Um, do well we've seen how hard they play we see how great a defense they can play we see how well coached they are and so I actually think Houston is going to as far as like when you talk about chalk is going to make it to that matchup against Illinois and I think that could be a good one yeah I I'm a little disappointed though I would I'd like to see Tennessee and, and Texas in the same region where they could match up Randy, I'll, 
how do you, how do you think that would be perceived? A Tennessee and Texas matchup? Yeah. Rick Barnes. For the, for the, for the, for the, the, for the rights to be the real UT. <laughs> yeah. Rick Barnes. And, and you think about it like this. Everybody was out on Rick when he left. They couldn't wait to get rid of him. And he basically took a Tennessee job that nobody else wanted. And look what he's done. He's had a top three recruiting class. He's gotten them. And a lot of people, did what Jim was saying, and now everybody's out on him. This is exactly the kind of team that he takes on the run because they don't necessarily have the Kevin Durant or the DJ Augustine or the people like that. So I, I'm not out on Tennessee. I just think they got a hell of a tough draw. And if they don't show some more consistency, a guy like Kate will fill it up on you so fast you don't have a chance to recover. And like you saw in the Alabama game, they freaking go up nine. You're killing them playing your game. And then you turn the ball over 20 times. I mean, you know, you just – they got they have to stop turning the ball over, and that's uncharacteristic. But I, I would love to see Texas and Tennessee play. I think that would mean a lot to Rick uh, personally because he would like nothing more to stick it in the ass. I bet he would. That, that, that's, that's. So, Jim, I'll go with you first. Give me your, your final four and then give me your championship game followed by your winner. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I had the three number one seeds that were not Michigan and then Texas. Um, I mean, I'm trying not to – I hate just picking, you know, the top teams, but um, I don't have the bracket formatted right on the way. It's, uh, Gonzaga and Baylor on the opposite side, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the championship game I got, and I told y'all from the get-go before the season, um, I'm not going against Mark Few. Uh, I'm just not. I feel like this is their year, and, Daniel, you talked about it. A lot of people would try to say, you know, discredit him because of the year it is, but I think it's a year where you can make an argument that it was harder to navigate everything, and I think it'll really solidify and give him the championship that he deserves. Absolutely. Randy, who do you got? Final four? Championship game and champion. Uh, Final four, I'm going to go Gonzaga, LSU, Baylor. Ooh, man, that other one's so tough, man. I really – I'm high on Illinois. I really am. But give me – oh, man, I can't pick Houston. I can't do that. They're not very good. Um (laughs) – Give me Oklahoma State. Give me Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham, number one draft pick, Cade Cunningham. In my championship game, I'm going Baylor-Gonzaga, and I think Gonzaga wins again, but it's going to be a hell of a fun game to watch. Randy's doubling down and hedging on his bet against his team, right, because Tennessee's going to ruin his whole prediction. And wouldn't that be just bittersweet, though? I'd love <laughs> Hey, that's that's how you do it, man. So – for me, in the in the West, I'm taking Gonzaga. In the East, I'm taking te- Texas. In the oh gosh, in the South, I'm taking Baylor. In the Midwest, give me the Fighting Illini, and give me Gonzaga and Illinois in the championship game. And Gonzaga wins a fun one, but a close one. All right, so here's the prediction I want from you, Daniel. And Randy, for that matter. Um, does any team have to bow out due to COVID? No. They're going to put them no. in a bubble, and I think it's going to go just like the NBA. 
I mean, ho- hopefully, hopefully so. But man, I don't know. This you're talking about so many more teams, right? Like, and the opportunity for you know, remember those NBA guys, you know, doing what some of them doing what they wanted to do. Man, you don't think it's past one of these college kids to try to get sneaky? I think that SIDs are going to be worth their weight in gold, and I don't think anybody's going to be allowed off their hotel. Nice. Yeah, I mean, as, as a college kid, you're probably in in this environment. You're gonna. It's it's not like the NBA where you're you're. I can't say like you're you're an adult. You're not an adult in college because you are, but in a sense, like you still have some freedom and some liberties as an adult in the NBA to to get out and do things and. But as a college kid, you're almost shackled to the rules per se. So I, I think you're right. Those those uh, college folks are going to be in their room, and they're going to have their gaming systems, their music. They're going to have to make the best out of out of a, a situation, and you know it'll get easier and easier, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it gets lonelier and lonelier the the more games you win. Who knows? But. Uh, Guys, we we broke it down. I I will say my picks are my picks right now, but I can't promise you that my final submission of my bracket will be the same. But I I don't foresee my championship game changing or my champion changing. So, um, guys, we'll jump to last call before we open up the room to G to come join us, man. Jim, any any last things? Did we miss anything? No, I don't think we missed anything. I know Randy's probably going to touch on UFC, but, uh, you know, college baseball, the rankings came out, same top five, all SEC and SEC play does start this weekend. So, you know, I'm sure we don't got very many listeners who maybe are big college baseball fans, but I'm absolutely stoked, and it starts with Mississippi State going down to Baton Rouge. So I'm ready, and while we're on that note, got to see Westbrook last week. I get to see my boy Cameron James tomorrow at Doobie Noble with his dad. Very nice. Well, good luck to Cameron James. Hopefully, you know, he, he gets it going and, and they have a good game and they, they, they take it down. Randy, anything we missed? Yeah, Jim touched on it. Uh, UFC Fight Night, our former – guest and future guest Eric Anders had a fight and uh it was ruled a no contest because of downed uh he, he needing a down opponent obviously I think every all of us saw Eric went to Twitter right after uh apologized a thousand times uh literally uh what kind of made it funny uh and, and I don't I don't will say this to him when he comes on here was that he was commenting during the Peter Yan fight uh, about the the needing a down opponent, and then he comes the the very next fight. You know he he you know has a no contest for the same thing. Wasn't a DQ uh, like Peter Yan because they ruled it unintentional. So good thing there. Uh, but we'll talk to him about that on the next one as well. Yeah. So we'll. We'll end it. We'll end it with that, man. We we had a, a good interview with the Cajun Chef. If you can check out the Cajun Chef on YouTube, go to Paya Seasonings and, and and get you some stuff to spice up your life. Um, but you know, inevitably, if you just like hearing average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Twitter. 
retweet us, Spotify, Anchor, all those social media outlets. We're on them. We're blasting them. Feel free to hit us up anytime you want. We're going to see everyone next week for episode 28. Where we're going to talk the fight game. We're going to bring on Eric Anders and talk about his fight this past weekend. It'll be good stuff. We got we got to dive into some stuff with him. We got we got to talk real with him. It'll be fun. But you know, this has been the End Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember: strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.